0: Hi, this is Zach Semke with Passive House Accelerator, and thanks for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Passive House Podcast, recorded at Passive House Network's 2023 conference in Denver, Colorado. And a big thank you to Enersign for the support of the series. The interview you're about to hear was hosted by Mary James, our Director of Publications and co-host of the Passive House Podcast. Okay, thank you, Tad Everhart, so much for your time. I'm going to start with. Um, can you just tell us what Certifiers does and how long ago it was founded?
1: Oh, sure. Albert Rooks and I co-founded Certifiers Cooperative in the beginning of 2015, and we three of us went to Darmstadt for training that spring and started certifying our first house, uh, the Kaplan House in San Francisco. Uh, with Graham Irwin uh, that summer. And we've operated it since with some change in people. So um, the next year, Rolf Jacobson and Chris Petit went to Darmstadt and trained and became active certifiers. And then um, Chris went to Passive House Canada in 2020 after doing a great job in building certification. Rolf still works a little bit with us. And so um, Matt Bowers started uh, being a certifier in the 2018 Pittsburgh training. And he's done a great job with certification. He's gone to L- RLs Group. So Christina Snyder and I still certify. And we've got some people working with us. Um, so I do almost all single-family certification in small buildings Including small commercial buildings, and Christina takes on more of the multifamily buildings with a team. So she, we work together on the large buildings. Great,
0: and um, about how many projects do you certify per year on average? Just
1: well, roughly, I would say that we only complete the certification of maybe two or three per year. Uh, I guess. Over eight years, we've certified somewhere around 30, so say three or four per year. But what happened is COVID, we started so many buildings in 2019 and 2020, thinking that they'd be two-year, um, and they've stretched out in many cases to a full four years. So this year, I've got a current caseload of about 25 buildings, wow. Yeah, which makes you a little bit nervous because... We're getting a lot of new buildings, especially from the Marshall Fire. I have five or six from Marshall Fire. In
0: um, Colorado.
1: Yeah. But on top of that, we have all these buildings that were started in 2019, 2020, that are now just finally getting completed and ready for certification. So there's kind of this bulge in the Python right now.
0: And um, do you see any trends in what kind of projects are coming to you? I mean sure. Starting with are yeah. they getting generally tending to get bigger or is that balance staying about the same?
1: So for a long time we wouldn't take multifamily because um there's always a fear that you take two or three multifamily and then you're going to be crushed. Um, it's bizarre to us that you really never know when the team is going to deliver the PHPP for you. We have some of the best firms promising a PHPP in month, you know, June and not getting it to us until October or November. There's just so much uncertainty in, in the program. So if you don't take on work, even with the anxiety that you might be crushed by overwork, um, you just end up doing far less work. Um, so the trend is we're taking on much more single, uh, multifamily now. I think we currently are certifying um, eight, uh, no, six large towers in New York City. Uh, and they're on the average of um, probably uh, one developer averaging uh, 11 stories, another uh, t- developer probably um, team. De- those are like I think, 15 to uh, 14-story buildings. But that's a very different animal than the single-family and small commercial that I like to do. Um, And when you ask about trends, there are trends. um, A couple that we talked about is panelization. A couple is different software. But one trend I'm seeing that's interesting is um, there's still a lot of first-time projects in really exotic locales like Bishop, California, um, you know, who would ever think? Um, and the uh, one in Montrova, I think, uh, Valley, Mont, Monttrogna, Trogna I have to look at the spelling above Palm Springs. Who would ever think of a passive house there? Um, one in Kanab, Utah. Never thought of one there. Uh, we've got a builder interested in Park City, Utah. Um, these are not, you know, the New York City, Brooklyn passive houses or even the Boston or the Vancouver. They're, there, I, I've Art got lab. one that uh, we just started working on. We've been in touch with the team in Manhattan, Kansas. Where is Manhattan, <laughs> Kansas? Well, it's actually about um, forty miles west of Kansas City. But someone there is he's he's doing an interfit of a nineteen seventies A-frame and a brand new passive house. Uh, so
0: that's so great because. Yeah you have been in the passive house movement for a long time and to see it so dispersed as well as of course concentrated in the urban centers and doing these large towers must be very exciting
1: it is um and it's wonderful you know the most fun part about the team is the enthusiasm that people have and the commitment that they bring you really want to help uh and certification is it You know, you could say it's just judging a building, but really there's much more education and support in that role than most people um, would give us credit for, especially because we're oftentimes working with the the past house consultant on their very first project. Um, And they just want to get it certified. They want the assurance. They want the second set of eyes on the PHPP. They want some advice. And one of the most, the other very fun, and I think valuable part of being a building certified is exposure to so many passive houses and the ability to learn from each one and then to share what you've learned on one with another team when you see a technology or an approach that might be appropriate.
0: And um, so you mentioned very briefly panelization being a trend. Yes. Can you talk, can you elaborate on that a little sure. bit? Sure.
1: So we're uh, certifying a building up in Canada. It's going to be for a chamber of commerce. And they're using CLTs for the wall and exterior mineral wool. And like, I just saw the pictures, a slabless was for the summer and all of a sudden they've got all the walls up. I mean, just boom, overnight. So that project's going really fast. Um, yeah. on the single family front, we're seeing a lot of uptake here in, um, the Marshall Fire Real Building with B Public, probably because it has an excellent product and it's close, um, and I've certified buildings with Collective Carpentry. One of my first buildings at Baylmont Passive House was with Collective Carpentry. They have a fantastic system. Um, we're doing projects with uh, B Collective up in Vancouver. That's Chris Hill's, um, you know, kind of startup uh, firm. Um, I think two or three with them. Uh, I'm aware of uh, Quantum Passive House. We looked at a project, might be involved in it with... I think, eight four-plexes and uh, six duplexes where they're going to use their system on all of those. Uh, So I would say that when we started in 2015, panelization was rare, maybe, um, you know, one out of every four or five buildings that we looked at. Now it's easily half.
0: Wow, that is
1: quite a shift.
0: and. I think it, it is a good, um, is a promising shift because it's going to make building passive house simpler for, especially for first timers, I would sure. guess.
1: Yeah. When we started, um, you know, people would run headlong into thermal bridge modeling. And I've never picked up, uh, Therm. And quite frankly, I've never picked up Flixo, but we knew that that was an impediment. So we picked up Flixo. When Pass Institute said they they had several types of licenses, we liked it so much we immediately started teaching it, and then we thought, well, why don't we distribute it? So we now distribute Flexo, which has been quite nice to have that relationship. But what's most wonderful with the panel factories is instead of doing thermal bridge modeling for each and every passive house that might have slightly different details, do it once, <laughs> and we've seen you know ten and fifteen page reports. From at least two of these companies, where every conceivable junction is modeled with Flexo, we we can look at the Flexo models. We know that they're they're uh, done right, and that's the end of the discussion. Those values are now simply entered, you know, and the lanes. So that that's a big that's a game changer,
0: right? Yeah. And um, going back to what you were saying about the value of certification, is a lot of it lies in quality assurance, having a second set of eyes. Mm -hmm. And also I have heard often expressed by certifiers that it's really important to get the certifier involved early in the design process. Mm -hmm. In your experience, is that happening with you?
1: It is, um, quite frankly, it's not not a rule, right? So we're certifying buildings where other certifiers are the past health consultants. (laughs) they don't have to involve us early, quite frankly, and some of them, uh, we learn from them, (laughs) quite, you know, just to be honest, and they have enough experience that in many cases to keep the cost as low as possible, we're not going to look at their schematic design PHP, their design development PHP. we're going to look actually at only their 100% construction documents PHP because they have a great deal of confidence and essentially they're just getting the stamp of certification we don't really add much value it's important it's not nearly as fun or um fulfilling as working with a, a startup brand new team and, and teaching them along the way and giving them insurance along the way but it just goes to show you that there's a lot of flexibility in how you can create a certified passive house and it all depends on the team and their level of experience and, quite frankly, the, the difficulty of the building and the modeling of that building. So on some, yes, on some, we actually have people that have never picked up PHTP before. And we're telling them, please buy a copy of Sarah Lewis's book. <laughs> please read it. And oftentimes we'll do a little coaching uh, with them just to help them get past the most difficult parts of PHVP. Um, and and that's good, too, because they really appreciate that. We know then when we certify their building that they've been in the, on the right track, and we're pretty familiar with the building by the time they actually sign us up to be the certifier. Yeah.
0: Okay, and so I can't leave this discussion without asking you about retrofits, of course. Ah. So... Um, what percentage of your projects are retrofits versus new construction?
1: So, if you took multifamily, we have yet to see a multifamily retrofit. We we uh, we made a proposal on one or two and did not get them. Um, they've gone forward though, and and we know the projects. Um, so that's it's good to know that they did go and go forward with the projects. Single family uh, interfits are. Probably still no more than one in five, yeah. And they are especially gratifying since <laughs> you and I have both done enerfits, uh, and we know that it's much more difficult um, and it's painful to you know to destroy part of your home to improve it, uh, and it's especially uh, financially fraught because it's never as cost efficient as new construction, but. They're trick, they're the hero lifts, in my opinion. Um, they're the part of the market that needs our support. I personally, um, I don't like to lose money on a new family certification. We never lose money on multifamily certification. It's not so far. I don't mind losing some money and putting in far more time on an interfit. It's just so important, um, to, support people that are doing something that's so difficult, um, the PHPP doesn't get any easier. It's actually somewhat harder because there's always more unavoidable thermal bridges that should be modeled or estimated, um, so, you know, and, they, and those are projects that actually have smaller budget for certification in the sense that they're having to put money into demo and disposal, (laughs) you know, and then to just remediate structural deficiencies before they can even start the air uh, sealing and the super insulation and the high-quality components. So I've done those. um,
0: (laughs) Invested a lot of time in them. (laughs) Yes, that's
1: putting it nicely. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um,
0: So are there any other trends you want to mention before we go? Because as I... Yeah. And we both have been involved in Passive House for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. so just wanted to ask, is there anything else that you...
1: Every project's important. You know, people say, you're not bringing this to scale. Every p- project is what they call it, a, a stone in the pool with, with waves touching other people. People saw your house and were inspired to do things and to move forward. People saw my house and our house and were inspired to move forward. So I really... As much as scaling is important, it is still important for every single person to to build a passive house or to enter it if they can. Um, do they all need to be certified? I just had a discussion at dinner. I had always dreamed that we would certify maybe one out of ten passive houses, and builders would just designers and builders would just use us as a way to check in on their quality from time to time, or you know maybe they want to see if there's something new to learn. But we never thought that we would certify every building. It seems like a waste of money, quite frankly, to certify every building. Well, um, you know, there's a, there's builders out now that have built over 10 passive houses. Do they really need to get building 11, 12, 15, 14, 15 certified? I, you know, I don't think so. I guess one thing I would close on is we need more certifiers. It's fun work because it's a blend of learning and educating and also ma- helping maintain a standard that's important to everybody. Uh, even if House only accounts for one out of 100 or one out of 50 buildings, it does set a goal standard for building operating energy performance. And it does have an effect on other people. They know that they can do better than code Maybe they're not going to be Passive House, but maybe they'll do something that's somewhere between code and Passive House.
0: In the milder climates, yeah. Sure. (laughs) You can probably get
1: away with that. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, And, you know, none of us is doing certification full-time. I mean, I'm I'm probably the closest to doing it full-time, but it's a nice thing to do to supplement your – uh, consulting or, uh, architects that they're still doing some design work. Um, it's a great way to really get deeper into Passive House because you do get direct access to a lot of other Passive House projects that you can learn from, uh, working with other Passive House consultants and ultimately having a really good connection with the Passive House Institute. So, um, definitely want to keep that in the article. <laughs> we need more.
0: Okay. Thank you, Tad Everhart, so much for your time. I really appreciate you talking.